Welcome back, everyone, to Shot of Culture, Queer Tales over Kava and Tequila Sips. I'm your co-host, Lala, and I'm here with... Pilo G. Pilo, we've got a great episode coming today. We have a guest with us. Tell us about today's show. Super excited. Uh, we have the fabulous Amit Patel, also known as Amit Dances on Instagram. He is a dancer, director, storyteller, as well as the founder of Ishmi Dance Company and the Desi Dance Community. Please welcome Amit Patel to the show, everyone. Awesome. Hey, everybody. <laughs> it's so great to have you today. I mean, thank you so much for joining us. You and I have known each other for a while now, so this is kind of fun that we get to sit down and just like have some conversation, right? Um, I'm constantly mesmerized by your Instagram, first and foremost, right? Like your dance and just the choreo- choreography behind it, all of your dance routines, especially with the South Asian Indian influence behind it. So tell us, how did you get into dance and like what is your inspiration? One, to thank you both so much for having me. Um, I'm excited, a little nervous, but I feel like the tequila is taking off the edge. But um, uh, a little bit more about, I guess, what I, how I kind of got into it. So I started dance at a very young age with um, more just to get connected with like roots and stuff like that growing up in the Bay Area. And um, with time, I started just learning a lot of like Eastern, Western dance styles. And then in college, I started exploring a lot more how dance was a lot of my dance experience was very heteronormative in that my role was very much like okay I have to play this very masculine personality in every situation and so after a point I was like okay is this all there is to it is there more can what can I do more with it and so then um, I started exploring like different like queer dance forms whether it's like um, or just like learning that they even exist right and um, so I one day I picked up a pair of heels. I like went to a class um, in San Francisco and I was just like in love with dancing in heels. And so I um, then, and then the class was really cool, but then I, I didn't understand or I didn't know the music. And so yeah. a big part of me just bridging together all my different like intersections was, okay, how can I combine South Asian music with queerness and with heels? And so then I ended up creating a Bollywood dance, a Bollywood heels dance class in San Francisco in 2016. And um, that was like the first time I got to like explore queerness within dance and Indian culture at the same time. And I was like, this is so cool. Like all my (laughs) intersections, me. And then I started doing that with like Indian contemporary work as well. And then I was like, okay, there is a place where all of these things can meet. And I just got really excited and I haven't, I haven't been, I've been doing that ever since. And it's been really nice to like feel that there's no stopping to where it can grow, which is like really exciting. So I've been just doing, that's the very much the short abridged version of like everything, but I feel like I'm just very much like still in discovery mode, which is like really exciting after doing it for like 15 plus years. I feel like I'm still like learning, trying new things. So yeah, I'm very happy right now. That's amazing. And I commend yeah. you doing that in heels. <laughs> That's you a, need some lessons in that. I, I do. <laughs> yeah. Are you available after this? Oh my God. It's, it's a mission. I, I, oh. 
funny enough, I was like, I, I thought the ballet training surprisingly helped me so much in heels because you're already on the ball of your feet. Oh, and yeah. so then when I wore heels, I was like, oh, this is not bad. I have support, <laughs> you know? So I thought it was like, and then, but walking is still the hardest thing. Yeah. You, sound, like, you make it sound so easy. <laughs> and and then, you, then, you, then you go out on a night and you wear heels and then you're like, nope, this is not. I can dance in them, but walking like a street is not going to happen. But pain is beauty, right? It is. For, it is, for it y'all is. stiletto wearing <laughs> mm-hmm. beauties. Um, I love that you've incorporated the, the South Asian element. I'm curious as to um, the receptiveness in the community, right? Doing something different. Obviously, being queer is hard enough. Um, what, how has that been for you? So when I first started in 2016, I think a little bit about, um, one, just being South Asian. There's a lot of, I come from a somewhat conservative you know, background when it comes to um, family and tradition and all of that. And my parents were, they immigrated to the States in the eighties and they're, they're, I guess, um, a big thing within, um, immigrant families that they often try to retain their perception of India in the eighties here, or they've tried to replicate it. So, um, you would expect them to modernize or assimilate or progress with time. But a lot of time they're kind of time stamped in that zone and um, and so with that, you know, and exploring queerness and being the first queer person in the family that's at least exploring it, it was definitely um, a challenge. I kind of outed myself on accident. I was like in a very young and naive phase of, oh, I'm exploring art. And so wearing heels was not queer to me. It was just, you know, putting on a different type of shoe. And, and I was really dumb. And so I was like, okay, I'm just going to put on a shoe. I'll take a class or I'll teach a class. And then I realized that, okay, as soon as I put a flyer saying I'm teaching a heels class, I outed myself without realizing it. And so, <laughs> um, and, and I was like, this is not the best decision, but, you know, let's kind of roll with it. And then, um, and so initially all the people who are my generation and younger were just like, yes, all about it. Um, and then the only thing that was re- like after I started, it went well within my generation and younger. But um, amongst the older community, I feel like there's this whole obvious taboo of one. I had long hair at the time. They're like, oh, my God, that's feminine. Yeah. And I wear heels. That, And then they're like, oh, my God, that's like you're trying to be like a stripper or you're trying to be, you know, like these other yes. perceptions of it. And then at the same time, then you're combining that with South Asian music. And then there's like, a, oh, oh, you're bringing shame to the culture or right. to the thing and I think there's a lot of um that just wrapped around in a you know a scold <laughs> or like a frown right, versus it being like so like um verbal and I think they're just like a, a, a just a random or just um you could feel that you know that disappointment or that judgment and I think um initially I was very much oblivious to it I was like you know I'm just doing my thing I'm just gonna kind of like filter out the, the other the other um negativity and I think that and having a good friend system definitely like helped me through it. But um, I feel like in time, a lot of my friends, they like yelled at their parents and then they were yelling at, you know, like yeah. they were kind of um, very much rallying, being like, hey, they're doing such re- like, you know, really cool work. They're doing changing, like um, normalizing queerness or normalizing sensuality in South Asian dance in a way that's more empowering and not um objectifying but that's also creating visibility and it's you know this all the different things and i think um with time it got better um initially i i when i first started posting on social media in 2016 um i got a lot of love and a lot of hate and so it kind of started off as a journey of 
trying to navigate hate comments on social media. And most of the hate comments I got were from India, right? And all the people that I knew in the States, none of them, you know, they're all like positive. But then the ones in India, like maybe like 40% of them were like hate comments. They were like either saying slurs or they're saying, oh, this is shameful or whatever. Mm -hmm. But then you'll see another like 60% of them from India, people who were very much in the closet or very much, you know, never have, have never seen that in India or, elsewhere and so then I got a lot of like really lovely messages too saying I've never seen an Indian man dance in heels or who has long hair or who's succeeding or who's like very openly out and about and just living their best life in that way and I thought that was like that kind of just like kept me going initially the first class I taught I had two queer boys come to class in heels and um they both were like crying at the end. They were just like, oh. oh my God, like I've never imagined wearing heels. I'd never imagined another, like being comfortable enough to like wear heels in front of other non-queer people. And, yeah. you know, and, and that was the, I think for me, what was very motivating. I was like, okay, there's a, there's the whole art and advocacy space. There's the intersection. There's a way to uh, like, you know, use art as a medium for social change. And I feel like that was kind of like, I was at a very interesting like crux, like, you know, like crossroads of sorts where I was like, okay, career wise, am I going to enter, you know, the general workforce? Am I, how yeah. do I change the world? And, um, and then I was like also very actively pursuing dance. And at the same time I was experimenting with this and I saw that there was an immediate impact or an immediate, um, like, sh- like, shift in like how people would come to take class people felt safe and I was just like this is so cool yeah this is the media this is needed and I wish I had that kind of space growing up right and I think that was like the different shift also of like having to switch from wanting something to now oh fuck I have to create it and that's like a whole other you know mess and a half but long roundabout answer no 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 I mean I think it's really interesting because like you talk a lot about I mean I think this is why representation when people talk about representation like how much that matters right to have these two um queer men stop off and like be in heels and like feel safe in that space and I also think that like you know when you really think about like pre-colonization um of India especially you know I'm an Indo-Fijian person colonized and then like taken to Fiji all this stuff when you think about the roots though before colonization like it was so fluid right like india indians so fluid gender sexual orientation um we were really accepting of all those things before the british came in very much so i feel like that was um like one of the big like um i did a piece like this last summer at the asian art museum during pride month and it was very much talking about the the Kajarao temples in india with and and how 10 percent of the temple and all the statues there are erotic in nature they're queer in nature you'll have like um, lots of like just like homoerotic like you know mm-hmm. statues of people in very like promiscuous positions you'll have like trans in, like identities or like non-binary identities also carved into these temples alongside all the Hindu gods as well and so at the very least you can make an assumption that they coexisted right, right. that they have existed um, for like centuries and centuries right and then um, you can maybe further assume that okay if they're on a temple that maybe they were part of like integrated within society in a good way right right versus you know all the the demons of the hindu culture none of them are on these temples right, right. so i was like you know I, yeah they're very much normalized that definitely post-colonialism i feel like there's like a erasure and a rebranding of like okay this is what we really need to like push forward into the society but um i feel like it's slowly coming back in ways but then I feel like it's like one step forward, three steps back t- at yes. times, especially with like current political climates and stuff too and all of that. I feel like 
yeah, we can. <laughs> that's a whole other <laughs> other thing. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, so you know, being in the Bay Area, so we talk a lot about being Bay, uh, Bay Area. Um, Pilo G and I are both like in the Bay Area, grown up here. I know that was a huge. Uh, inspiration or I don't even know what the word is motivation acceptance of like being queer like how did that affect you like you're from Fremont Mm -hmm. so a little more East Bay Alameda County yeah um, but still close enough to the Bay Area so how did that influence like affect you I didn't I guess I didn't really realize how um, blessed I was to be in the Bay Area because I think growing up in Fremont which was very predominantly Asian I feel like it was still very conservative in that area um but the good thing is, um, and and when I um, was starting to feel all the, you know, coming out like ness or like the queerness within me just kind of like seeping out at first, I had no idea how to control it. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. what do I do with all this, like, you know, these emotions, these hormones, this whatever. And, <laughs> um, and I was like very much in college at, as it was like kind of starting. And I was like, okay, I need to go, you know, channel this into study. So then I was like, okay, I took um, philosophy courses, religious philosophy. I was like, maybe religion has the answer to my queerness, right? And then I like went down that full route and I was like, okay, you know, I don't think they have the answer. Like <laughs> I got so far as to like, you know, my one of my majors was the philosophy of religions and my like what my main reason for starting it was okay maybe religion and the ancients have figured out queerness and in a way that we haven't or something right and um and I didn't like my conclusive answer at least by the end of it was they hadn't right (laughs) and I was like you know I don't think they have the answer and I don't think like you know um and so then I was like okay well so now I'm just queer, right? And so now, like, I figured, like, once I got to that point, I feel like I was, like, I started opening myself up to, um, went to my first Pride in SF, and I think that was, like, one of the biggest, um, it was just so interesting going to Pride for the very first time um, in, like, when I was, I think, a junior in college, and then I was, like, oh, my God, this is, there are people that actually exist in open space, and I had yeah. not really seen that maybe in TV you would see like one character struggling and it would always be like trauma stories. It wouldn't necessarily yeah. be like love and success stories. It would be like, oh, one person struggling with X, Y, and Z and like, you know, shame, this, that. And I was like, okay, I didn't really feel like I saw a lot of um, joy within being queer on, on television. Yeah. And so when I went to Pride, I was like, oh my God, there are all these like people and um and I, and I had mixed feelings about that the, about like the first pride and all the other pride that went to since but um I feel like that was a big awakening for me and I was like very grateful that to be in a place that it was so accessible right because yeah. I feel like for so many that's not even the case even though it is like an hour drive from Fremont I still feel like it was I was I feel very blessed that it, it was in San Francisco um I still feel like it's very much a haven city that's amazing. Yeah, I think sometimes we forget we live in such a, you know, in a bubble, right? Like, I, I don't know if you've been to any other prides, but like, there's something invigorating, like, mm-hmm. you know, you go to New York, another great, amazing place. And yeah. it's like, just yeah. that togetherness and, uh, you know, the amount of like, it's amazing to have so many people i'm like oh my god there's more people like me <laughs> yeah for sure for yeah. sure for sure I, I went to like denver and new york and i think chicago pride like in, in different years and it mm. was like all were very different but they're all like bigger bigger yeah. cities right but i feel like um when i ever anytime i've traveled or taught dance um like in different countries like when i was in finland teaching dance or when i was in like in i, I did like an india teaching tour and i was like um 
teaching it, you know, like heels and like talking about like queer history and dance and all that stuff in India too. And all these things that I was like, oh my God, a lot of these people will never step foot into Pride because they're so in the closet that, you know, going, just stepping into Pride is like that nearby association to being outed and all that. And so I was just like, oh my God, like I know that, I remember that feeling, but mm-hmm. then at the same time going to Pride, it's like states away or like, yeah. you know, like th- there's no there's no access. And I feel like that was... I feel like that for that reason, I'm very grateful for social media, right? And podcasts and things yeah. like this because it further, you know, it gets more stories out there, which is, I think is the big part of like what I feel like I want to like contribute a lot more to in life is just storytelling and being able to share all these like beautiful stories that exist in hopes to, you know, inspire and or something. Right. That's amazing. Well, you're really inspiring. Um, I'm curious, like, who are the who are the artists or you know folks that just inspire you every day? Oh my God. Um, I feel like um, oh Lord, um, artists that inspire me. I feel like my co-founder really inspires me. Like, I started like a Ishami dance company with my co-founder Ishika, and she was my very first contemporary teacher. Um, and um, and and though she's you know not necessarily queer in that way, but one of the, um, but like she was the most open person I had met in the South Asian space at the time. And, uh, and, you know, and she was a dance major at San Jose state and, you know, she was only around queer people like there. And I was, as a kid, I was very much like, Oh, this person is not only so accepting, but like the dance community in general always felt like a safe haven. And it felt like, um, something that was, um, where queerness was okay, all forms of movement, at least in the non-South Asian space. Like, the Western spaces, queerness, I felt, was very, like, you know, a lot more accepted. And then, um, and um, so her, um, for sure, um, I feel like, in general, artist-wise, I feel like, I feel so basic to say all just general pop icons. I feel like, you know, it's Gaga was a big one for me. I was just, like, you know, (laughs) born this way, the whole, you know, like, Madonna, sure, as well, but, like, um, but I definitely feel like, um, definitely like pop icons. I felt like it was very much like a an awakening for mm-hmm. me. Like a lot of Beyonce, a lot of, um, of um, yeah, I feel like very basic in that way. But um, South Asian wise, I didn't see a lot of inspiration. I think I related a lot more to all the heartbreak songs in South Asian music. Because I was like, oh, the pain, I yes. feel it, right? And it's like sometimes the level of pain in like Hindi or Gujarati, you can't really convey in English the same way. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just like, that I relate to or like, you know, that music I just resonate with a lot more. Um, but now slowly there's getting a lot more, there are a lot more um, queer artists in South Asian music also. So I'm like, this is really cool. Like, it's like we're at an interesting, like, you know, point. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, 2024 is a big year for you. Yes. You know, there's so much that's going on. I know you have a production here um, that you have been producing here in San Francisco, but now you're taking it on the road to New York. Yes. Tell um, us more about this. Yeah. So I had um, my first, uh, so started my company in 2023 and we had our first production, um, original production in July. And uh, we had like four sold out shows and I was just like, this is crazy. And then, um, and then we went and then we were like, okay, what if we toured the show? Let's explore the idea. Um, and so now this like 2024 February, we're taking the show to New York. Um, the show is very much about identity. It's called Bechan, which means identity in Hindi. And the um, show is basically about stories of different um, South Asian experiences, um, whether it's um, diasporic or immigrant, whether it's talking about displacement stories, whether it, um, whether it's talking about 
queer stories that exist within South Asian um, movement and dance history, whether um, or whether one of the my favorite pieces that my co-founder choreographed was about the invisible work of women. And that was like, you know, a full piece about, you know, the joy of like like these like these communities of women or and how like leisure is thought of like the concept of leisure in these like societies as well about how you know imagine if all the women had not to worry and they could all just read newspapers and you Mm -hmm. know like and do all the same things that would um be like traditionally meant for men in these like more rural societies and um and so you know just exploring all these different stories with a different perspective and allowing you know different languages of india to also like enter that enter like the same space and um yeah the show is very special i feel like um i'm really excited because it's kind of very much what i've wanted to do for a long time which was like I love in-person experiences. I very much love like that feeling when you watch a live show and a production, you can feel something so real, whether it's like the sound, the vibration of music or just the emotion of an art, like of a, of a performer. And, um, and so, yeah, I'm just excited. I feel like it's going to be a good show. Um, we have, um, a bunch of, we have like a show or something at least lined up for every month until June. So I'm just like, this is really cool as a new, as a new company. And, um, especially being so queer forward and very like story driven and making that a big like um, priority and at the forefront of what we do is such a big deal. And even like one of our um, bigger projects, which we're performing next month as well, is we're uh, working with this nonprofit um, called Maitri mm-hmm. and um, they basically work with like women, like, you know, to um, like help like domestic violence survivors, like find, you know, lots like, all getting them all resources to you know whether it's from lawyers to like shelters to whatever and basically one of our things one of our big goals was to work with nonprofits to also you know like use art as a way to help them get whether it's funding or like share those stories and so I'm just like oh this is very much aligning with my mission and I'm like yeah this is great this is great and hopefully get paid in the process yeah how do folks get into um getting tickets for these shows or like where are you going to be hopping around is it just new york san francisco yeah so um on our website ishamidancecompany.com uh we'll have um you just get every all the tickets through there like it's on our upcoming events page or um there's a separate tab just for the show itself called bechan and um and yeah you get your tickets there and um yeah, that's pretty much it. If you want to subscribe to our newsletter, we send out like a monthly newsletter thing, everything that's upcoming. Um, we also teach classes as well um, and um, through the Daisy Dance community. And that's now uh, like a project that I like founded now that's coming under our company as well. And um, yeah, so just all things if you want to learn, if you want to watch, if you want to just, we also have a blog that where we talk um, called Intermission, which is very much just talking and dissecting different topics within dance and South Asian, you know, topics related to art. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's all things on ashamidancecompany.com. Yeah. Perfect. Good to hear. And it just sounds like, like, well, as we're having this conversation, it sounds like there's so much like social justice kind of woven within your dance. And, you know, you've talked about like art and advocacy and all of these things. You know, why is it so important for you to like weave social justice and like what things are you kind of passionate about? Um, I mean, in general, um, for one, I'm very passionate about just like all things queer, like LGBTQ plus related, um, just because it's, I feel like, for me, I found a lot of like solace within my own identity through the arts. And I feel like through teaching, I found that like so many other of my students or people I've worked with have also 
um, found their identity or their intersectionality through movement or some, you know, and whether it's not dance, it could be some, anything else with anybody. Right. But I found that a lot of the people who want to take dance, they found, they want to either share a story or they want to, you know, find themselves or they just want to grow. And I feel like that was really surprising. I, I thought like so many people were like, Oh, we just want to like look good, have a cute Instagram video. And we just want to mm-hmm. like, you know, or, you know, I don't know what their goal is. Maybe it's to be a professional dancer or whatever. But like, I found that most of my students that um, I have, they're like, oh, we just want to, we want to feel something. We want to release. We want to share our stories. And I'm like, that's really cool. Everyone does have a unique story to tell. And um, so that's been something. Um, But I think one of the main reasons was also as I was, um, you know, post-college as well, I was at this like crossroads of like, okay, if I want to change the world, my initial path was like go to law school, do like some Mm -hmm. sort of like international law or like that kind of space. Um, And, um, and then from there I was like, okay, well at the moment I'm dancing, I'm in the physical body to be able to do this for a lot longer now than I will like 10 years, 15 years from now. And so I think that just kind of made the decision. And then my thing was like, okay, if I wanted to create impact through art, most people consume music or dance or movies or whatever. And I was like, okay, dance is another way to just do that um, um, as well. Or, you know, um, I think we talked about this briefly earlier was also just how there's a lot of crap happening in the world. And sometimes art is a way of diffusing things, right? Or making people think a little bit differently as well. And I think that was kind of one, one of my personal mission statements that was about how oh one of my biggest goals was to make people think right it doesn't have to be like oh I need you to act a certain way I just need you to like think or question or something right and I think that was um if I can make you feel or think that my goal has been accomplished right and I think that was um and if that if that's about you know like seeing two queer people dancing on stage together if that's seeing oh a bunch of women you know like you know reading newspapers on stage and you know like letting go of you know housework and all that stuff or whether it's like anything else right I'm just like oh they can then if if my parents are older generations watch it then if they at least think a little bit then I'm like okay that's hopefully diffusing something or you know allowing some sort of open-mindedness and I feel like that's kind of where my goal is at the moment is to like diffuse to like you know just chill people out awesome (laughs) um what would you tell the 18 year old person what would you tell yourself now knowing what you know now and all the incredible projects and people that you've met and traveled globally like what would you say to yourself 18 oh my god my 18 year old self i would say okay learn how to do accounting and taxes (laughs) early Um, i'd be like oh my god all these things like i wish they taught that in school um i would say that first no just kidding but um i feel like um my 18 year old i would say you know um the one thing I will say is I feel like I learned so much from like trial and error and failure. And I feel like the, the, the consistent thing is very much that it's better to try and fail than not to do it at all or don't, you know, or don't second guess or, you know, just, just go with it and say, fuck it. Um, because then you'll only grow from there. And I think that was like the biggest thing for so long with, you know, I was in analysis paralysis mode where I'm yeah. like, okay, I need to do something and make it perfect and, you know, go through that whole process. And, um, and even with like, whether it's queerness or whether like, I was like, Oh, I need the perfect coming out. I need the, the perfect this or whatever. I'm like, okay, that does not exist anywhere in the universe. And I feel like as soon as I got over that, I started, I started letting go the idea of perfection or like, this is the perfect time. And I'm just like, just, it'll happen. It'll happen. It'll work. And then, um, it'll work itself out in the end. And then, um, 
yeah, I feel like that would be like the main thing. And I don't know if my 18 year old self would have listened to that, honestly. Um, <laughs> Wait, but, yeah, you yeah. know, like I feel like I remember like my dad was very much like I, I read so many like self-help books. I was like such a like avid reader as, as, like as in high school and in col- early college and stuff. And so um, and so like I read all like the Jim Ron, like F, like seven habits of whatever and like all like the art of and skill of managing people and all this shit at like at like 17 18 and i was like dad this is crap like i was so upset i was like this is not like who does this work on you yeah, know and, yeah. and i'm just like yeah but yeah i would say that that would be the main thing i think i still believe in that right now oh yeah. that's awesome okay so last question for you before we kind of wrap up here yeah. um we talked a little bit about your company in 2024 just kind of how ambitious what about on the personal front like do you have any manifestations for 2024 um, oh my gosh. Okay. So I am in a, <laughs> you know, in a very lovely committed relationship with my partner. Um, so personally, I'm just really excited to move in with my partner. We're both, you know, this is are both of our first relationships, you know, being this long and this committed and this serious. And so I'm hoping, we're, I mean, not I'm hoping, we're definitely moving in together um, this year. We just got a home in SF together Yay. and, um, Hopefully more things are happening, some more like, you know, fun, you know, engagement announcements and things like that. Ooh, so we're here for it. Yes, we know, are. We're, we're struggling right now with who's proposing to who. <laughs> um, and so that's the biggest talk in our in our in our in our discussions. But I think that I feel like being able to live um, that life and see where that goes. It's like very special. And like, I'm just like still like pinching myself where I'm like okay is this really happening is this like is this real life in that sense of like um I didn't see this a couple like last year or the year before I didn't see that this would be a potential reality and I'm like okay now it's like yeah maybe it's so interesting I think that's like a funny thing that you bring up is like who does in you know propose to who I've seen those dual engagements but I mean like initially like who does it right and I think we've talked about this a little bit because I actually proposed to my partner first and I'm the femme and they're more masculine presenting and it was like when you don't have those like heteronormative things you know it's like well this felt right and I wanted to you know, it's like, but how do you decide that? I think, you know, like queer culture, it's kind of funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and, and right, and the both of us have this thing of like, oh, we wanted to be proposed to first. And then, <laughs> and then, and then, and then we're like, okay, whoever proposes second has to do a bigger and better job. And oh, so, wow. So now it's like a, like. Get in there, be the first one. Yeah, exactly. So now I'm like, okay, small and intimate to start. And so, um, yeah, so we'll see. Um, but yeah, I think I'm like really just excited for that. I feel like that'll be a really cool, you know, chapter in life. Yeah. yeah yeah and congratulations awesome. relationships are so hard yes hard hard on these streets hard on the streets <laughs> oh my god yes yes but that's what I think you mentioned in the beginning too, why it's so important to have like friends, chosen family, like people who can support you um, because relationships are great. You're romantic relationships, but you still kind of need like that support system, whether it's family or chosen family or friends, you know? So congratulations. So many yeah. great things that are that. happening for you, Meethan. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show. We've loved having you. Hey, thank you both for having me as well. I appreciate this conversation and everything as well. I love you. And we look yeah. forward to all your projects this year. Yes, yes. Please. You, you might see us in some heels at one of your shows here. <laughs> you know. Well, at least one of us, 50%. Okay, done. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So can you let us know where where can we follow you? Um, okay, so on Instagram, mine is um, at underscore Amit Dances. And my dance company is ishamidancecompany.com and that's where you can find out all about our upcoming events and shows. We have a show in New York coming up in February and we have at least a couple of performances every month in the Bay Area until June. 
Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of the best place. And I think, yeah, that's mostly it. Awesome. All right. Well, that's your shot of culture for today, folks. If you have any questions, want to get a hold of us or want to get a hold of Amit, please go ahead and email us at shotofculturepodcast at gmail.com. We'll see you next time.